Hi everyone, and welcome to the DevMar Debugged podcast, where experts from top companies all over the world share their insights on everything developer marketing. Learning isn't linear. I think we can all agree on that. Sometimes a quick ready-made template will do the trick. Other times you'll need something far more comprehensive, like a three-hour course. As a Pro Plus member, you'll gain exclusive access to cutting-edge developer marketing resources from easy-to-implement templates, mentor programs, member events, and exclusively written content. Continuous learning and staying ahead of the developer marketing curve can be hard, but with Pro Plus, it's easy. So in this episode, uh, we're speaking to Alan Gleason, CEO and co-founder of Contento, about effective strategies uh, you can use to attract developers to uh, your SaaS platform or product. So hi, Alan. It's great to have you here. Hi, Teresa. Good to be back on and good to connect with you again. Oh, great. The pleasure is all is all mine. <laughs> uh, but before we dive into our conversation uh, proper, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Because um, as far as I know, you weren't always in marketing, were you? No. So I'm currently the CEO and co-founder of a startup called Contento. And before that, I was a software consultant for 10 years. Um, going back even further, Teresa, I was working in banking, but that's a long time ago now. So um very much in the kind of startup world at the moment. Yeah, so that's quite a, like a rich and diverse background going from banking to um, marketing. And of course, in marketing as well, you've got quite a lot of experience uh, as a CMO, I believe, and also, of course, in SaaS. Um, but what was it particular that led you to uh, wanting to market to developers? Yeah, so to kind of bring you back on the journey a little bit, I've been working as a fractional CMO for probably eight or 10 years. So that's a fractional chief marketing officer. So often helping um, venture capital backed B2B SaaS companies market more effectively. So in many instances, they would have not had the budget for a kind of a C-level marketing person. So they've been relying on very much on juniors and that only gets you so far. So I kind of acted as the chief marketing officer on a few days a month basis to help set strategy, to allocate resources, to hire people and make decisions about things like the content management system. More recently, um, I've left that world and I've started my own B2B SaaS company. So kind of taking a lot of the knowledge and sort of, um, I guess, experience from that world and bringing it into a my own startup, right? So I've co-founded Contento, and that is a content management system. So a CMS that helps you manage and maintain websites. So again, your listeners will be familiar with things like WordPress. The argument goes that WordPress is now 20 odd years old, is beginning to be a bit clunky, and isn't really fit for the kind of current world that we live in when it comes to internet. So I guess a long-winded way of answering your question, that's sort of why I kind of, um, I guess, um, shifted focus, whereby all of a sudden developers represent one of the big buyer personas when you look at, um, you know, who buys CMSs, um, and therefore I've got to market to those. And I guess the distinction here is probably worth, worth sort of clarifying. You know, if you're selling to consumers, in most instances, you're selling to one person maybe big ticket items, there might be a second person, husband and wife involved in a purchase of a car or whatever, but most decisions are sort of for an individual. When it comes to B2B, there can be multiple stakeholders, particularly as the ticket price increases, or if the 
solution spans a few different functions. So for us, you know, your website, it'll be the marketing function and the development or technology function that will be most impacted. And therefore, developers need to be part of the function that we market to. Well, that's really interesting. And it kind of just segues really nicely into today's topic because um, I, I feel like that's really... Um, that's really an interesting point of you've got the company, so B2B, and then you've got developers, completely different. Um, so, and they're obviously, as I said, one of the biggest customers for these types of products. Uh, but I don't think a lot of people will, you know, think to think that. Um, so what would be perhaps the biggest difference? I know you already touched a little bit on that, but the biggest difference on, you know, between selling um, a product to a B2B audience and to a developer, like the, the first thing that comes to your mind, I'd say. Yeah, and again, some qualification for your listeners, right? I'm a non-technical founder, so um, there's going to be a big qualification around what I say. So I guess it's best perceived as a kind of an observation from the other side of the fence. Um, I have a technical co-founder, so our CTO is a developer, and I'm sure they would have a sort of a different uh, take on this. But nonetheless, I think it can be valuable for people to understand perhaps how um, C-suite or non-technical view the kind of landscape. So, so for me, you know, if you market to a lot of B2B SaaS um, professionals, be them in the operations function, the marketing or the sales function, you know, you've got a fairly similar playbook and it includes things like content marketing and it includes things like using LinkedIn effectively or perhaps Twitter or maybe some direct outreach. Um, you can get away with marketing messages. You look at kind of creating a funnel. Developers sort of sit in a different world, if you ask me. They don't tend to be as active in some of those channels. So they tend to be more likely to be on Mastodon or Discord or Reddit or Quora or Stack Overflow or GitHub or any of these other sort of areas. So, so all of a sudden they're in a very different world. They're not occupying the traditional um, world that most of the others that you're trying to target are. They're also very heavily reliant on their community and sort of word of mouth referrals and sort of problem solving. So you'll find a lot of Reddit forums, for example, where developers will pitch in with questions looking for, for help and looking for ideas and solutions. So they're not really going to be taken by a, a fancy white paper or some you know blurb online. They're really going to be kind of trying to cut that noise out. And finally, um, I guess they're going to want to try something, right? So it's not a case of, oh, let's look at a nice PowerPoint of a slide deck and you're going to listen to me talk for 20 minutes on the feature set, give me the keys to the engine, let me kick, kick it around myself and make a more informed decision. So when you kind of wrap some of those elements together, it kind of indicates that your approach needs to be slightly different. But I don't know, I guess I'd be keen to hear your view. Does that resonate? Does, does the picture I painted resonate with how you kind of view the world? No, absolutely. I've have spoken to quite a few, uh, both marketers and developers, actually, and I that seems to be the general consensus. To be honest, um, that and I was actually going to ask you if you've had, uh, if you if if in your experience, um, the the developer audience has been. Um, difficult because a lot of people will say um to me that it's not that they hate marketing because this is like the big perception but is that uh, like everyone else they don't like being marketed to but overall they're just very tough 
to kind of crack, um, to kind of, um, well, reach them, I suppose it's fairly easy, as you said, they're in these communities, but engage them properly and kind of have them sit down and listen to you. And, um, and I feel like maybe that's where the difficulty comes from, but has that been your experience as well with content yeah. or? Yeah, I mean, look, we're early on our journey. So again, we're kind of our first year in our, in our kind of um, build phase predominantly, right? So we've yet to kind of really engage the community on mass. And, um, and look, part of it is you've got to have a really strong value proposition, right? Your product needs to be really excellent. Of course, every startup thinks their product is excellent, but it's really got to be a very high bar because, you know, in many instances, categories will exist already of solutions and you definitely want to be, you know, a step change for them because why else would they consider alternatives? But um, I think what you're beginning to see though is they're a tough nut to crack, but you are beginning to see the emergence of, you know, roles that didn't exist 10 years ago. So roles like the developer advocate or, you know, the content creators on YouTube where they're kind of marrying these independent developers that are kind of marrying this world of, you know, um, sharing education, but also sharing their screens. So you're kind of getting this hybrid approach whereby they can talk you through something, but you're seeing real life um, screenshots and real life demos. So I think, um, they remain a tough nut to crack, but if you've got a phenomenal product and sort of really clear messaging, um, I think you can then market effectively to them. But again, you've got to take on board some of the, the kind of examples we've just been sharing. Yeah, especially because, as you said, they also they occupy a different space and also um, with tech the way it is at the moment, you know, exploding everywhere. It's kind of like tough, I suppose, to kind of stand out. Um, so what would you say would be then the first thing that people should take into account perhaps when they're trying to market the SaaS platform to a developer to make it yeah. stand out? Yeah, so it's a very good question. So um, what's interesting is, you know, we've tried to tackle it a few different ways at Contento. So um, our, our logo is a kind of yin-yang symbol, right, whereby you've got a black and a white intertwined, and we're trying to... Um, symbolize that there's two dominant personas. So there's a marketing persona and there's a developer persona. So, you know, when it comes to developers, we've got decent docs, right? We've invested in making sure the docs are, the documentation's clear. Um, you know, when we have images on, we've got a developer section of the website, which is dark mode, right, with a toggle. So, you know, when you toggle from the marketing world to the developer mode, you're going from white to black, which is, again, it's a little hint that sort of, um, it's a different sort of approach. Um, but, he, but then your kind of key point is around how do you position and sort of one of the things that we've recognized actually is that when you look at headless content management systems or headless CMSs, which is the world we occupy, it's a relatively new concept, but it's been developer led up to now. So it's a very kind of technical solution, um, but all the early adopters have been developers so much so we actually see an opportunity by being less developer centric. So, so one of our goals and ambitions is to say, actually, you know, we're going to tick all the boxes on your developer and, and your tech side of the equation, but we're trying to be a little bit more accessible on the other side of the fence for marketers. Um, and I'll give you an example, right? As a non-tech founder, if I go to the pricing page of a kind of a traditional, simple, basic website builder like Squarespace or Wix, 
it's very easy for me from a marketing point of view to, to navigate and to understand the different pricing tiers, all very straightforward. If I go to a sanity or a story block or some of the market leaders in Headless, I don't have a clue. I don't really understand its data lakes and composable architecture and webhooks. So I find the pages on the pricing pages of those, you know, completely inaccessible. So um, again, I wrote a long-winded way of, of answering your question. I, I think it's a recognition that you got to have a great solution, um, but then you got a position. You got you got to take a position that makes you distinctive and clear because nearly every category of SaaS is getting saturated, right? They're getting very, very crowded. So you then need to make it really clear how you're different and why you're different. And I guess they're the elements that you got to work on. And of course, the last point on that is there can be challenges there because of course people copy features. So like, you know, if one provider brings out a feature that really resonates and sort of proves popular, the others can easily bring it around. So then you're into the whole world of branding and messaging and some of the softer stuff. So um, it's tricky, but it is very much doable. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I really like the point that you're making about being non-tech and that that would make it easy for you as well to kind of understand the perspective of a marketer or someone who you know they don't have that sort of coding background or if they do is not you know to the point the developer does perhaps um so i think it's really interesting that you've made that part of your usp and that you even reflected visually um on the site which i find it really really um interesting because it's not something that perhaps is as common so again kind of standing out and working towards finding what's unique to you and no one else is doing it but this is it right so if i go to the blogs of any of the other headless cms providers they're all highly technical they're written by lead developers and um and and actually this is the tricky piece whereas whereas the content on our side is, is written by me to deliberately to kind of for two reasons keep our developers working on writing code but also for me to try and break down the barrier and make it easy for marketing people to understand the benefits. Because here's the tricky thing. Most marketeers and B2B SaaS companies are kind of overwhelmed, right? It's a really difficult function because the span of activities that you've got to be responsible for is very, very wide ranging from lead gen to managing the CRM to sales and marketing collateral to branding to positioning. Um, to helping with outbound copy, to doing paid acquisition. So, so when it comes to sort of a new technical solution like a content management system, the bandwidth that you have to really explore these new propositions is, is very limited. So um, you may, and this is why WordPress continues to be popular, even though it's deeply flawed as a product, because many you know marketers have been trained on it and therefore have... Um, you know, know it and then they, they're kind of familiar with it and therefore they're, um, you know, not really interested in in switching off it, even though it's a deeply flawed solution for growing um, technology companies. Yeah, no, for sure. I remember WordPress. I think I even, what's the one that Google had before? I forgot, but I remember that one and then I remember WordPress. So, um, and I still remember it fondly, but as you say, it's now outdated. And of course, there's so much else to consider now. And um, I was actually wondering how you uh, walk that balance between providing this content for, you know, that's more accessible for non-tech audiences and also having, satisfying that part of the developer audience. Uh, is it with documentation, as you referred to before? Is that where, where we invest 
um, in targeting and engaging the developer audience? Is that how? Yeah, look, it's, it's a great question. So again, we're on a journey. So I'm kind of contradicting myself a little bit because I'm writing content, but I, I did mention earlier that like a lot of that content is probably you know not targeted at the developer side because they tend to be not on linkedin and not reading blogs so it's almost a case of you know um kind of tweaking our strategy a little bit making sure that we're doing a really good job up to now um uh, on marketing channels that marketing people will be on neglecting developers a little bit for now but then dialing up our efforts once the product finally launches which will be very soon um and then you're kind of into the world of getting listed on Jamstack, you know, listing sites and making sure that one of the de development team are beginning to participate in forums like Reddit and Quora um, and just engaging in the community, not being salesy, but just kind of, there are lots of kind of questions that people are posing on these forums um, that if we're equipped and able to answer, you know, you, you then run a, a, a reputation of being someone that's trying to support the education of that community and then over time, we've continued to develop out our docs and, you know, the playbook then becomes one that's a little bit more um, sophisticated, right? And it'll include probably a dedicated YouTube channel where you will have um, one of the team constantly sort of um, on camera promoting the latest features or exploring the latest topics. So there's some of the things that we'll definitely be looking to do soon. Yeah, because it's so many sort of like fronts of attack, isn't it? You kind of have to tackle it a little bit at a time. It makes sense. And I also like what you just said about kind of not being salesy. It's something that I've heard a lot that the trick with developers is sort of more educating them than um, kind of selling to them. As you said, it's not like they're going to engage with the white paper. So kind of finding a new strategy for it. Um, is there like any particular um, strategy to that that have you found um, or have you found it difficult to kind of figure out the right tone to engage with them? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm pretty okay at that, I guess, in terms of, you, you know, it's almost going back to your inbound marketing strategy back in the day. You, you still want to focus heavily on education. Um, and I mean, there was a blog I read once, which I think was very informative and it told me your job was to get the reader promoted. So if you look at it through that lens and you're kind of assuming if I can get the reader of this promoter, so how do you get them promoted? Well, you educate them and you make them understand the concepts and you make them look good for their bosses. That's a, that's a nice way of positioning how you engage. So it's like, it's been thoughtful, it's been helpful, um, but it's challenging, right? Because you know, the, the ecosystem is increasingly getting noisy because it's a playbook that all the others are also following. So you can have um, people with lots of alerts set up so that whenever there is, you know, terms related to your area of featuring or mentioned on platforms, and then they're diving in and trying to, you know, follow the same playbook. So um, there's a lot going on, but part of it is also to remember that you know, B2B SaaS is still relatively young, right? And I guess this is the key point. It's not like it's a really mature space and you can have multiple providers, you know, earning a really decent living. It's not a kind of winner takes all category. Um, and therefore, you, you know, you, 100 or two or 300 customers can be a very viable um, base within a few years to be a very profitable company. So, I think that's the thing that, you know, this kind of VC-backed 
winner takes all, let's pump huge amounts of cash. And I think that kind of philosophy is beginning to be undermined a little bit. Um, I'm all for growth, I'm all for investment, but I think it's not at all cost. And I think the kind of, you know, what we've seen is that there's been overinvestment by a lot of kind of vendors in recent years, just taking on huge amounts of cash and the market hasn't quite caught up. So, you know, interesting times, but if you've got a strong and unique position and a great product, you know, I'm confident you can do a good job of carving out a very viable niche. No, that's a really thoughtful, uh, thoughtful answer. I really appreciate that. It makes a lot of sense what you're saying. And yeah, um, I kind of want to circle back just a little bit on what you mentioned at the beginning about developer communities or communities in general. I think that um, is one of the, the key things that I keep hearing over and over again, that um, developers kind of like engage more with their peers, they listen to other developers and all that. So I think what I wanted to ask is that if you found uh, to be the, the same to be the case with, for example, with the B2B sort of model, um, is community just as important? I, would, I wouldn't think so, but I kind of would like to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, like developers, there's definitely a much stronger community sense. And, and look, even taking the kind of my opening gambit about WordPress being a kind of a, a, an old, you know, traditional uh, approach that's kind of had its day, um, you know, you could easily get someone on this that will argue the complete opposite, right? Because the WordPress ecosystem is um, paying lots of salaries around the world and has done for 20 years. So there's a lot of supporters of the old uh, approach that would argue, Alan, you're talking nonsense. There's lots more time for WordPress. You know, it's phenomenal. It's the market leader. You know, it can kind of evolve. It can, it continues to evolve. What are you talking about? So, you know, I, I think the tech community definitely is one that there's um, certainly a much stronger um, alignment than you'll find with other communities. Now, I know, you know, there are things like the CMO Alliance and, you know, you'd be familiar with that, which are, again, an attempt to try and bring marketers together. I guess one of the challenges, though, is, and I alluded to this earlier, is that, you know, the marketing function can be so different depending on the role and the resourcing and the sector. And, you know, often it can be very difficult. You get lots of unique scenarios that crop up that make it difficult to kind of, um, you know, get like for like advice. Whereas that's not quite the case with developer or tech where it's more black and white. So, you know, that's one of the things of marketing and particularly when you read marketing advice and it often frustrated me is, a lot of the B2B SaaS content that I used to read in the earlier years was US centric, was written by white males, you know, 50 to 60, that assumed resource abundance, right? They kind of had this, you know, everyone has got Series C funding in the bank and therefore have ability to run amazing tech stacks of huge teams. And therefore, isn't it easy to do attribution and track where every single lead comes from? Whereas the reality in Europe was often the world that I, uh, you know, occupied was often Series A or bootstrapped or pre-seed or seed levels, which is a much different, more resource constrained. Um, and therefore, you had this sort of disconnect. So I guess, you know, a long way of answering your question, I do think the tech uh, community is a stronger one. But I think one of the reasons is because, you know, your, your your use case can be one that you can share in a context and someone can give you good advice as to how you should um, approach certain things. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, of course, not everyone can be Microsoft and all that over here. So, of course, but I, I also think on on another hand, it might also lead to more creativity uh, that people have to do more what they have, um, s- smaller resources. And so, no, that's a really, really interesting point as well. Um, so thank you. And uh, is there anything in particular, uh, at least with your experience, that you think that people should avoid um, if they want to market a SaaS platform to a developer? Yeah, I think it's kind of picking on some of the strands that we've mentioned earlier. I think, you know, there's this notion of, you know, buyer personas and, you know, it's a kind of an important methodology that makes you think about who are the different people that will be um, representative of your buyer personas. And, you know, if a developer is one of those, what I'd say is it's important to have them Uh, if there's a development team in your company, have them help you with some of these challenges. So I recall previously, you know, when I worked with a a cybersecurity client and we were looking to talk to developers, you know, before we did outbound activity, I spent some time with our own developers to help, you know, with messaging and, and outreach. And what was interesting is they were quite critical of the original drafts that we had made of the content because they felt that it was, um, not likely to resonate and didn't kind of highlight the key features and sort of, and, and even were dubious about whether content and, and, and sort of outbound was going to even be effective. So, you know, again, it was almost validating that it is a different approach that's needed. And, and you know, I think this goes back to the emergence of developer relations, whereby if you can afford a dedicated resource um, and create a role that is someone that acts as a conduit that is technical, but, you know, has a goal of representing the brand in all of these communities in a way that is designed to kind of help people solve problems, getting back to an earlier point, rather than to sell in. um, I think that's a very useful role. And I think we'll see a lot more of those roles continue to emerge um, as companies look to kind of make, um, make themselves more aware amongst the developer community. Yeah, and especially as well, if you don't have uh, like this tech knowledge or this tech background, or I'm not even talking about the contacts in that area, but um, if you don't have this developer knowledge or coding, or it's just so difficult to kind of like think, I guess, the way that developers do. Um, Because again, if you're approaching it from a marketing perspective, it's completely different. So I guess having that feedback from developers and that perspective should be perhaps um, a main strategy for people then um, wanting to sell SaaS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And like going back to an earlier point, you need to de-risk things as much as possible. So, you know, if you can give them free access, that's really polished. So there's a really strong onboarding process. It's very clear, you know, what you're looking to achieve with the onboarding. They have sufficient time to, to play around with it. It delivers value early on. Then they go check the documentation, find the documentation is robust. Perhaps you're giving free support that you can actually talk to people rather than sending emails in um, and then beginning to kind of formulate a community, be it in a dedicated Slack group or in a a dedicated Discord channel or whatever, you're beginning to head in the right direction. I guess one of the things is for the real early stage startups, you got to walk before you can run. So you're in a slightly different position whereby you're better off just focusing all energies on a brilliant product and making sure that some early adopters, 
you know, are advocates and will be happy to give word of mouth referrals because I think your initial tranche will come from the word of mouth um, developer-led um, approach, which then can be supplemented with other activities. Yeah, especially because uh, they trust the opinions of other developers. So if you get that buy-in, then it's a lot easier to kind of spread the word, as I say. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and other developers, you know, recognize other developers are time poor and they're not going to waste time. So, you know, it's almost a, a validation that you're onto something if they're willing to, you know, share it and and, and sort of um, make introductions you know, that's almost a, a validation that you're in the right area. If they're hesitant or reluctant, uh, then I guess it's it's worth the conversation to try and understand what features they think would be important to add in to make um, your solution more attractive. And then maybe go on a couple of sprints and circle back around. Um, and, you know, then if you've got developers that have seen features um, that were probably on your roadmap anyway, but actually live in a product, you've had someone that views themselves almost like a, as a collaborator. And then of course, it'll be much more disposed to um, bringing others on board. True. And I think what you said about hands-on experience in trying it is also a key strategy for um, even like in the startup phase, isn't it? Like if you don't have all the, the big uh, marketing in place or anything, at least if you can show it to them and allow them to tinker with it, that, that's as well when you get that, you can get other recommendation. Oh, you know, I tried this. I really like it. So you try it too. And so I think that's really um, important as well. Yeah, and look, in the old days, right, of building software, you know, one of the gotchas was that you had companies that didn't bring UI and UX in at the start, and they kind of waited to bring in those experts further on. And in some ways, the product was often pretty embarrassing. Um, you know, you'd find on their website, they didn't really offer you any visual images of the product. You saw sort of these animated, blurred out kind of backgrounds. So I think you know, those are the sort of signals, again, that you need to get over, which is that, you know, if you really have a beautifully designed solution, you got to have big pictures of it on your website that they can see that are realistic and truly represent the interface. Um, and that you've got videos that showcase the interface and um, particularly doing a particular task. In our instance, it might be creating a web page or editing a piece of content but then giving them the wheels of the car, or sorry, the keys of the car, as I mentioned, so they can actually go and, and test it. Rather than the old method, which might have been a case of hiding the UI and UX and not really showing it on the site and being very slow and guarded and not really, not really giving unfettered access, kind of more, oh, we'll show you this and show you that, which again is the old way of doing it. But again, I think is, is phased out because developers, if they do, really want to have a look at a solution you got to give them the keys of the car because otherwise you know uh, what's the point yeah i guess it can be quite freeing as well you don't have to think about oh, how to create this landing page how to create this messaging just just oh it's all there <laughs> these are the points that's it <laughs> so obviously it's not that simple but it, I, I suppose it can be a little bit freeing not to have to um, kind of focus too much on the marketing side sometimes but yeah. yeah, exactly. And particularly for categories where your solution is one that it's an, it's an existing category, right? So, you know, we're not this, you know, for us, content management systems have been around for over 20 years. Most developers will be familiar with, with them, um, particularly those that we would be appealing to. So they'll have reference points. They'll know how they, you know, do things. And then they'll, they'll understand when they log into a new one. And they'll be looking for things like, 
you know, security questions, is it more secure than WordPress or how does the word workflows work? You know, is it, does it look intuitive to manage stuff? Mm. How are the marketing team likely to be able to deal with the, does it seem fairly intuitive? And those are some things that they can actually see by interacting with the software, um, which helps then inform the decision. Yeah, no, that's really good. Thank you. I will just ask one more on this, um, on the subject of integrations, which I always hear is so important. Uh, would you say then that that's a key focus or um, something important that you have in mind because you know that a developer may want to kind of integrate other plugins or other products into yours, vice versa? Yeah, I guess there's a couple of things. So it's an API-based approach. So um in some ways, if you go back to the old model of WordPress, it was sort of an all-in-one um, monolithic approach whereby you relied heavily on plugins from third-party vendors to kind of enhance the functionality. Um, it's a slightly different approach with, um, with headless CMS. You know, you are focused on APIs. The primary, I guess, API-driven piece is the content being pushed to various heads, um, which is where the name comes from, right? So those could be websites or mobile apps or screens in stores or whatever. But, you know, definitely the, the whole premise of it is around best of breed um, solutions from different vendors being kind of blended together. So um, it's definitely the kind of the uh, route that it's going down. Less, less what I deem as plugins, but more as kind of constituent elements, I guess, would be how I'd view it. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so is there anything else you'd like to add or leave our listeners with any final thoughts, advice? Yeah, look, I'm happy for anyone to follow up with us if you're interested in learning more about Headless and kind of are familiar with WordPress, but, you know, are interested in content management systems and want to kind of learn about what we view as a modern approach and the way that the world is headed. Very happy to... Um, to talk and engage. And I guess we can put my details in the show notes afterwards so people can access, um, you know, contact me. No, absolutely. I'll definitely leave um, and the link as well. And so our listeners can check that out. So thank you so much, Alan. This was great. Lots of good insights here and, um, and tips. So it was really good to talk to you about this. And I'm sure our listeners will have a lot, a lot to think about. <laughs> thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of DevMar Debugged. If you want to hear more from professionals in the developer marketing world, subscribe to our podcast for more expert talks. See you on the next one.